Who Gets to Decide, a liberty-based podcast that brings a little piece of sanity to a confused society drowning in a culture of craziness. And here is your host, Seth Martin. All right, what's up everybody and welcome to another episode of Who Gets to Decide. This is Seth Martin, your host. Thank you for joining me this evening. Glad you're here and always happy you're listening. Well, there's been just a lot of talk about this affirmative action case uh, that the Supreme Court uh, heard and ended up striking affirmative action down at higher institutions in the United States. And I really tried to find some intelligent conversation about this, but it is just so... Um, I don't know that everything I found was just really dumb. It was, it was talking about how this is racist and it's like, <laughs> no, it's not racist. It's, it's the absence of racism. And in fact, um, there's, there's this term that's overused a lot in our society, uh, institutional racism and affirmative action at higher, inst- higher education institutions was the very definition of institutional racism. And now that it's gone, you've got people complaining that it's racist and that it's somehow white supremacist and that white people are trying to rebuild the, you know, I don't know, the the South or something in, in college institutions. And this is just a, a really dumb idea and it's 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 very frustrating to hear people uh you know i used to i guess i used to think or i normally i would think that when you get people advocating for something that's dumb it's it's typically you know because it's very political right they're they're advocating it for because they're republicans and that's the republican party line or they're advocating it for because they're Democrat, and that's the Democrat party line. But this really makes no sense at all, um, that people are calling this racist. And um, I thought I would spend a few minutes just trying to grapple with the upside-down, kind of backward thinking that's going on in our media uh, and all kinds of commentary around this, and just see, I don't know, just see what happens, you know, uh, with with this conversation. Um, for starters, I've got a um, kind of an introduction by Amy Goodman with Democracy Now. And normally Amy Goodman is, I mean, she's a liberal, okay, and the show's kind of liberal. But they're pretty good usually. But you can tell by the way she's talking about this, she's talking about how the Supreme Court gutted affirmative action. She uses the word gutted. And, you know, when you use a term like gutted, that kind of invokes, you know, somebody's, you know, intestines falling out of their body, you know, a big slash across their belly and their intestines coming out and their stomach coming out or whatever. It's, it, in other words, it's not a positive uh, commentary on what happened. And, and she also talks about she uses the term gutted, uh, decades-long standing law on affirmative action. So she's clearly not for what the Supreme Court did. And 
Today, what I want to try to do is I want to try to talk about what it is to be an American. You know, this is something that we don't talk enough about in our body politic. And I think uh, we're also going to pay, play some uh, Vivek Ramaswamy. And I think this is something Vivek is trying to get to. You know, he's running for president. And he's pr- this is a very principled guy. I really like him. I don't know if he's got a shot, but I really like what he's talking about. He's talking about we need to be for something, right? In the United States, you always have these people where it seems like we're advocating against things. And his, his thing is to be for something. And I think, you know, I thought about that a lot. And I thought, you know, what I'm for is the individual and individual rights. And when you're talking about individuals, there really is no race, Okay, there is no, I mean, certainly one individual might be white, another individual might be black, another individual might be Asian, or whatever. But really what we're concerned with is individual liberty, uh, individual opportunity, and just, you know, characteristics of the individual, okay? Um, the, the liberals like to talk about society, And they tend to use the quote-unquote good of society to subjugate individuals in in America. And and this is is really not American. This is not an American thing to do. And to me, affirmative action was one of those things. Um, you got people looking at society, they're looking at the history of America, they're looking at racism, and they're saying, what can we do to help uh, black people initially, you know? And, they, and what they theorize is, well, we, we need to have some protected classes. We need to do something to protect the opportunity for minorities. And this is where you come up with busing, desegregation, um, affirmative action, and all these ideas. So I want to investigate this a little bit today and just, just spend a few minutes talking about it. And we'll start with this Amy Goodman summary. We begin with the court's landmark ruling Thursday that gutted affirmative action when it ruled Harvard and the University of North Carolina's programs considering race and college admissions are unconstitutional. The 6-3 to three decision overturns long-standing precedent. The court stopped short of barring legacy admissions and will allow military academies to continue using affirmative action. Writing for the majority, Chief Justice John Roberts assailed race-conscious admissions as elusive, imponderable, and opaque, ruling they violate the Equal Protection Clause of the 14th Amendment. Justice Katanji Brown-Jackson, the first black woman appointed to the court, wrote in her dissent, the decision, quote, is truly a tragedy for us all. She added, with let them eat cake obliviousness, today the majority pulls the ripcord and announces colorblindness for all by legal fiat. 
Meanwhile, Justice Clarence Thomas, who's now the longest-serving justice on the conservative majority court and is African-American, sided with the majority and read his concurrence from the bench saying, quote, even in the segregated South where I grew up, individuals were not the sum of their skin. While I am painfully aware of the social and economic ravages which have befallen my race and all who suffer discrimination, I hold out enduring hope that this country will live up to its principles so clearly enunciated in the Declaration of Independence and the Constitution of the United States, that all men are created equal, are equal citizens, and must be treated equally before the law. That was Justice Clarence Thomas Thursday. During the oral arguments for this case, Justice Thomas questioned North Carolina State Solicitor General Ryan Park, who represented the University of North Carolina. I didn't go to racially diverse schools, um, but there were educational benefits. And I'd like you to tell me expressly when a parent sends a kid to college, they don't necessarily send them there to have fun or feel good or anything like that. They send them there to learn physics or chemistry or whatever they're studying. So tell me what the educational benefits are. All right, so that's a pretty decent summary of both the majority and the dissenting opinions. Um, I thought John Roberts' opinion was pretty typical, you know, equal protection under the law, you know, 14th Amendment kind of thing. Now, I want to, I do want to pick on Katanji Brown Jackson a little bit because there's some, you know, there's just something about the provocativeness of what she says. She says, the obliv- obliviousness of let them eat cake. In other words, they're, the the friv- uh, frivolousness of and obliviousness of this uh, decision is, you know, is really disturbing in her mind and, and disruptive. But but I think really all you have to do is 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 just ask yourself what is affirmative action? What was affirmative action originally? Well, it was, it was a set of laws that uh, were written to legalize discrimination on the basis of race, uh, primarily against white people in favor of black people. But other minority groups benefited as well. And so that's essentially what it is. I mean, there, there's, you know, if, if, if this were in place um, to benefit Let's say let's say there was discriminate. Let's say affirmative action was actually laws that discriminated against blacks and Hispanics in favor of whites. Well, then all these people that are complaining about this this case would absolutely be for overturning this law. But because it's it's not because it's the race roles are reversed. It's it's actually used against whites again, uh, in, in favor of blacks and other minorities, people are for it. And, and see that, that, that just doesn't, what, what, what's gotta be wrong in one scenario. It's, it, it has to be wrong in another scenario. If you switch out the group, I mean, it just doesn't make any sense that it's right. If you're talking about whites, but it's wrong. If you're talking about blacks, I mean, that's just stupid. And, and, and of course, like any government, policy, you know, it starts getting its hooks and things. And next thing you know, it's, it's, it's benefiting blacks at the expense of other races and, and businesses and, uh, 
you know, large corporations have quotas and all this other crazy stuff. And it, look, it's just not healthy. I'm not saying, um, I, I mean, look, if you're, if you're an employer and, and you want to help black people, that's fine. I'm, I'm not saying you shouldn't be able to do that. Uh, or if you want to have a quota system and you work for a private company, you should be able to do that. No problem. But the government shouldn't be telling you, the EEOC should not be telling you that you don't have enough black people in your company or you don't have enough Hispanics in your company or you don't have enough Asians in your company or whatever. I mean, if you want to self-impose those kinds of things, that's fine. But the government can't get involved in that. That's, that's what makes it institutional racism. And, uh, and that's essentially the case here before the court that they overturn. Uh, schools, even though Harvard's a private institution, all the loan programs and everything now, that, that all goes through the government. So these are quasi-government institutions almost. And that's, that's why the court can intervene here. Um, if you take government money, well, then you have to be, you know, you can't, you have to be subject to the, the laws that, uh, of the government, right? And, and that's why Harvard, in this case, is, is being ensnared in this. But, you know, the, I, I think the, the thing to really point out is just this has nothing to do with individualism. I mean, going to college is not a group project. <laughs> going to college is an individual effort. It doesn't have anything to do with race, right? Um, whether you're a black person going to college or you're a white person going to college or an Asian person going to college, you, the individual, are going to college. It's not something that the black race helps you do or the Asian race helps you do or the white race helps you do. And that look, that's the truth about a lot of things in America. You know, yeah, we have community and there's certain things where the community comes together, but largely America is an individual effort. And uh, it doesn't really have anything to do with group. And this is, you know, it's just an intervention here. It's all we're talking about. A lot of Republican presidential hopefuls are happy with today's decision, including Vivek Ramaswamy, who joins us now in studio. Thank you so much for your time tonight. It's good to see you. All right, so I want to start out with uh, something that you posted on Twitter, uh, saying affirmative action is the single greatest form of institutional racism in America today. Why do you feel that way? I think by definition, there are institutions that regularly take race into account as a factor on whether or not someone gets a job or set whether or not someone gets a seat in college. By definition, that's institutionalized racism. And I think the Supreme Court made the right decision today to vote on the side of meritocracy over race-based preferences. I think that's a step forward, it's not a destination. As the next US president, if I'm elected, I would eliminate race-based affirmative action in every other sphere of American life as well, including in the economy where it runs rampant today. Now we're talking, right? This guy speaks plainly and clearly. And he says, look, by definition, this is racist, institutional racism. And it, there's no place for it in our society. I don't know. Have y'all, you know, and I, I, lo I love this Vivek Ramaswamy because he's very principled. He, he not only believes what he believes, but he can make arguments 
good arguments, logical arguments, uh, supporting why he believes what he believes. Um, a lot of, you know, not many people can do that. And, uh, and so I, I like this guy because of that. One of the things I thought about while we were listening to him is, you know, the United States really just needs to let this whole racist thing go. The slavery thing, that it just needs to go. I mean, it's okay to study it in history and acknowledge it and all that, but we really need to quit trying to make up for this past sin. And the reason I say that is because every time we try to do something to make it better, we only make it worse. You know, black people as a group, and here I am talking about groups, but they're really worse off collectively today than they than they were in the 50s. Um, you know, I, I routinely talk to my parents and and they tell me that, man, you know, when when uh, when they were growing up, black people had big families. The mother and father were in the home. They they stuck together in their communities and, and looked out for one another. And, you know, there was little or no crime, you know, within the black communities and stuff. You know, it, the way the way they tell it is, you know, it's it's gone nowhere but down since then. And we're talking, you know, 50s early 60s. So it's just my observation that the more we try to do, and I say we, I mean the government, the worse it gets. And the more we talk about it, the worse it gets. We just need to learn how to treat individuals as individuals and judge them as individuals. You know, if you commit a crime or you do something wrong, you know, that's not an indictment on your entire race, right? That's a that's you being tried for something before a court. And, you know, the individual is the, is the uh, centerpiece of American life. And all of this race and um, white supremacy and talking about, you know, 400 years of slavery and all this stuff, it's, it's not helpful. I mean, it's not helpful in terms of policy. It's fine to talk about it in terms of history or you know, what happened so we don't repeat it. But to try to sit there and fashion policies to correct problems that were 200 years ago or 100 years ago or whatever they were, it's just not making anything better. It's, it's only making things worse. And so, you know, I think there's a really strong utilitarian argument for just stopping, just quitting all this stuff. Uh, you know, when I was a kid... Um, I, I lived through desegregation. So I went from walking to school a few blocks away from my house to walking down to the street and getting on a bus and riding 45 minutes to school. And that was a long way. But you know what? A lot of the black kids I went to school with, they had to ride like an hour and a half to school. Nobody was happy. Uh, it was violent. I mean, we had, and this is like junior high. No, this is grade school up to like seventh grade. We had kids come to school with knives and cutting other kids in junior high. I mean, it was just, it was a, a real shit show. And uh, obviously that didn't succeed. It caused more problems than it solved. And, and we eventually got rid of it. And affirmative action is the same. Okay, that's, that's all this is. This is, this is a, 
you know, the government trying something, it just, in this particular case, an affirmative actions case, it persisted for a long time, and now it's over. That's all. That's all that's happening here. So I want to just throw some numbers out there, right? The University of California system banned the use of race in admissions in 1996. In 1996, 7% of the students there were black. Today, that number is, is 2%. If you look at uh, University of Michigan, uh, before they passed similar uh, laws in 2006, uh, black enrollment was 7%. By 2021, it was just 4%. So we see clearly uh, what happens. There's a downward trend when it comes to diversity. Is that a good thing? Well, look, I think what's not a good thing is putting people into positions that they're actually not qualified to have. What this actually should wake us up to is the reality of the failures of early education, K through 12 education, starting at a young age. That's evidence of the fact that many poor Americans and black Americans do tend to be poorer than white Americans, for example, do not have access to good public education starting even in kindergarten or first grade. That's where we need to focus. I know that's not an easy solution. I know that everyone's looking for a Band-Aid, but a Band-Aid at the end of the process does not solve the failures early on. So we should worry less about diversity, visually speaking, and more about lifting up everyone to give them equality of opportunity. That's the way I'll lead the country. She didn't really do it here, but a lot of times these reporters will quote these statistics and they'll say, see, institutional racism. (laughs) And it's like, no, those are actually not those don't show anything, you know, those, those statistics don't show anything really. Um, but for argument's sake, uh, it does, let's say it does show that California changed their laws and they no longer used race to, um, admit college students and the number of black students went down. Well, you know, the, the problem with college, okay, let me just, let me just say that this is just a side note, but they have this very structured way. In fact, everything about K through 12 is very structured. You know, there's a lot of smart children out there, young people that, you know, sometimes don't do well in school. You know, really what school shows is that you can sit in a classroom with a teacher standing in the front of the room and you can follow instructions and do what the teacher tells you to do. I mean, that's really what school, you know, prepares you for. And then to the extent you learn some math and some uh, verbal skills, you can do well on the SAT. But the point is, it's a very structured process for getting into college. But it doesn't have to be that way. Uh, colleges could create other criteria for getting into to for getting into their schools. And... They just lack creativity there. I mean, they had this uh, college board kind of testing system, and they could use other mechanisms. If you wanted to try to bring diversity into schools, you could look at income or upbringing, and you could say you could make some assessment about how easy or how difficult uh, the child's uh, upbringing was, whether they had a single parent or if they grew up in a dual parent house or whether they're, uh, they were a foster child or, you know, or, uh, you know, grew up in a home with, with biological parents or whatever. There's a whole bunch of ways you can get at, um, socioeconomic differences, uh, and things like that without, without jumping into race. And, and, and this is the colleges have just been lazy 
what they're really saying when they look at race is they're saying, well, black people are at the bottom of the socioeconomic you know, ladder, and so we need to let more black people in. I mean, they're making a huge assumption. There's a lot of well-off black people in America now. I mean, I think, I think I read somewhere that the richest black generation in history is about to die. You know, you've, you've, got, you've got literally black people now that are dying that are rich, that actually have to be concerned about inheritance tax. And so there are some black people doing very, very well. But maybe what schools need to try to get at is, you know, some other, some other criteria. And they're free to do that. But I think uh, looking at race is poisonous, and I think the Supreme Court absolutely did the right thing here. But how do you go about giving equality of opportunity when you're saying basically for some people, as you just said, there could be uh, whether it's socioeconomic, whether it's by race that we're saying, you know what, we're not going to even consider that uh, in our admissions process. When you're talking about there have been decades, centuries, right, of, of discrimination that has caused uh, that disparity in our education system. So the reality is, and by the way, I went to public schools through eighth grade. It was racially diverse majority black or something close to it. There wasn't a single one of those black kids that could not have achieved everything that I have in my life. I've lived the American dream. I'm now running for US president. If they had also been given the same privilege that I had, which was two parents in the house and a focus on education. There's a crisis of fatherlessness, not just in the black community, but across America, across multiple races. There's good evidence that people are more likely to end up in poverty, more likely to drop out of high school. Let's address the family structure. Let's deliver school choice. I think that's something that actually does give a lot of Americans, including it's lifted up a lot of black Americans in the states that have adopted it, allowing families to choose to send their kids to the best possible school they can. I love this answer because he's basically saying, hey, look, I went to the same schools. I mean, it was majority black and, you know, up through eighth grade. And, you know, I don't see how, uh, you know, I mean, how do I, how, how is it that I did good and, and these other people don't do so good? It, it, it can't just be because they're black. You know, there's got to be something else. The color of their skin has nothing to do with, with how they're going to rise in America. In fact, it matters least in America. So what else is going on? And he, and he takes a stab at, hey, look, you know, I had two parents in my house and they emphasized education. That's not happening in a lot of black houses. You got single mother. Look, it is difficult to raise children. It, you need two people. You need two parents. It's hard. I don't know how single mothers do it. But the best way to raise a child is with two parents in the home. So I don't know. You know, women you know, black women maybe need to work a little harder to find a man that's going to take care of them and maybe not lay down with them so quickly or whatever. I don't know what's going on there, but he's absolutely right. Um, for whatever reason in the black community, there's not a lot of fathers in these homes with these kids growing up and boys especially need their father. A woman cannot teach a, a young boy how to be a man. Okay, that's just not happening. Um, the boys are a little bit unique in that way. 
And so I think uh, Vivek Ramaswamy here, I think really, you know, bravely kind of wades into this area. And it's not a popular area to talk about. I mean, you can't talk about this with people. They get angry with you, you know. Well, like you don't understand and da 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 and all this kind of stuff. Okay, fine. I, I'm I'm you know I'm trying to understand, but if you say I don't understand, that's fine. But I what I do understand is if you're raising children, you need a mother and a father in the home. And he's absolutely right. The state has driven a wedge right into that. Okay, with all these safety net programs, and. Um, that's a big driver. That's a big driver of that phenomenon. That's how we deliver solutions. I want to read uh, uh, Justice Ketanji Brown-Jackson's uh, very strong dissent, which I'm sure you've heard at this point, but she said, yeah. with the let them eat cake obliviousness today, the majority pulls the ripcord and announces colorblindness for all by legal fiat, but deeming race irrelevant in law does not make it so in life. What's your reaction to her response? I understand the criticism. However, I think the right way to stop discrimination on the basis of race is to actually stop discriminating on the basis of race, to quote Justice Roberts from an earlier case in the affirmative action saga. I think that we have to at least start behaving in a way that puts meritocracy first. I believe that every child in this country can realize their maximal potential if they're given that equality of opportunity. And it is striking to me that the very opponents of this ruling today, the very proponents of affirmative action, are also some of the most rabid opponents of school choice. That's bad for teachers' unions, yes, but it is good for Americans, including those who grow up in impoverished circumstances. So I think there's a lot of hypocrisy to go around here. I love this answer because he's absolutely right. This is what I was talking about earlier. You know, stop. Just stop trying to fix everybody and trying to fix every little thing in society that you don't like, you know, he's right. If you want to stop uh, discriminating on the basis of race, then stop, you know, just stop doing it. Um, don't quit, quit creating rules and policies and laws to, to try to do the opposite. That's what affirmative action is. Affirmative action said, well, uh, there was Jim Crow in the South against black people and They've been discriminated against, and we've gotten rid of Jim Crow, but now what we need to do is discriminate against white people and, and lift uh, artificially lift black people up. I mean, you know, just stop already and, 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 and let, let the market work. Let individuals heal one another, you know. Let people see that they can go as far as they want to go if they just put their mind to it and work hard. And so, you know, I, I just, I, I think Katanji Brown Jackson is just wrong here. You know, there's a big difference be, uh, between experiencing racism in life, you know, running into the occasional racist that has no control over your life or the trajectory of where you're headed. There's a big difference between that and, and being told you can't go to some college because you're the wrong color. Or you, you couldn't get in because uh, 10 Asians beat you out or 10 black people. They put in 10 black people that had lower scores than you, but they were the right color. That, that's, that's just wrong. I don't know how anybody sees that any other way. 
Okay, so last question for you, playing devil's advocate here a bit. If we can agree that diversity is better for all of us, whether it's in the classroom, whether it's in the conference room, but we can also agree that with this decision today, we're going to have less diversity. How do you, how do you uh, get from one to the other and say that this is a, a positive step for us when your answer sounds like you're saying, well, if you had two parents in the home, I mean, you can't have any kind of legislation that's going to put two parents in the home. Well, I think I'll actually push back on you on that. Right now, we're paying many single mothers more money not to have the man in the house than to have the man in the house. And affirmative action, as well as those policies, they were part of the same vision from Lyndon Johnson. You want to blame a white man for this? He's a good one to start. Pass the great society legislation, affirmative action into the law actually the payment programs that I'm talking about. So instead of actually giving incentives that run against family formation, let's instead at least remove those government incentives. And to your point, yes, is there gonna be a trade-off in the short run that's all else equal regrettable? Yes, there is. But is it in service of a deeper value of meritocracy? And we're gonna solve that problem in a different way by starting with early childhood education and family formation. Vivek Ramaswamy, I really appreciate you coming on the show. Another great answer from Vivek Ramaswamy. You know, I mean, this guy's maybe worth voting for, you know. Uh, at least he's smart and understands government, understands, uh, you know, what we're doing wrong. And he's got a good vision. You know, he, he loves America. Look, I, I, anybody that's principled, that believes in individualism and believes in intervention is bad, man, I'm for that person. Um, I don't know what it is about government, whether it's in the economy or it's in these social situations, but the government just loves to intervene. These interventions are never good. It doesn't matter if it's a financial intervention or if it's a social intervention. They don't end well. And the reason they don't is because, quite frankly, the market is just too complicated for the government to fashion some intervention that that would develop the outcome that they want. And so, you know, all of these people in government, they really need to learn their libertarian lesson. And that is, you know, quit being busybodies. Embrace the individual, you know. Um, you may not like the way somebody else lives, but as long as it's not impacting you, you really shouldn't have anything to say about it. Um, you know, mind your own business or, you know, go over and shake that person's hand, start talking to them. Maybe you'll, maybe you'll learn something. Um, you know, I, I don't know. I just don't, I just don't think any of this interventionism works regardless of what it, what its intention is. You know, the intentions are always, you know, good, right? Oh, we're trying to do this and we're trying to do that. Yeah. We'll just stop. Like he said, if you want to stop discriminating based on race, then just stop. Uh, you know, uh, an affirmative action, I, I really don't care what anybody says, it's bad. Uh, you know, desegregation was bad. Affirmative action, in my mind, is just a lighter touch desegregation. <laughs> and that was really bad. I mean, I know from first-hand knowledge, that was bad. So, um, you know, look, this is a it's a difficult subject, you know, because people are very emotional about this subject. But um, if you if you kind of look at it from an individual standpoint, who who's impacted by affirmative action? Individuals, 
You know, it's the individual, uh, let's say you got a really sharp white kid, uh, maybe good enough to go to, you know, Harvard or uh, Carnegie Mellon or, you know, one of these types of schools, but, you know, just can't get in because not only is he white, but he's a boy, you know, that's bad. You know, I heard Dave Smith tell this story the other day and I thought it was really good on this subject. You know, his son like when he was five days old, had open heart surgery. And the guy that did surgery was some French doctor in New York. And um, Dave said, you know, I didn't care where he was from or what color he was or anything. All I was concerned about is whether or not he was the best doctor for the job. And I'm going to tell you right now, when it really comes down to it, whether let's say you're, let's say you're fighting for your life, in court and you're you're being tried for something you didn't do all you care about is is that you have the best lawyer you don't care about do i have the black lawyer that got into harvard on affirmative action or do i have the you know you don't care about that stuff you're trying you're fighting for your life okay you want the best lawyer not the best black lawyer or not the best french doctor and, and this, is, this, is, this is why America is so great. This is, this is why we've had such a great history, is the smartest, the, the, just the, the hardest working, the ones that had the best ideas, they kind of rise to the top. But look, it makes everybody's life better. Everybody's life is better because of that. Not just black people's lives, not just white people's lives, not just Asian people's lives or Indians pe- Indian people's lives, makes everybody's life better. And so we shouldn't want something like affirmative action, which is just a poison pill for a great uh, country like ours where meritocracy is really, uh, is really the reason behind our success. It, it's not, you know the wealthy and I don't know, whatever everybody says, it's, it's none of that. It's because you're basically able to work as hard as you want to work and go as far as you want to go. We have property rights and we have a meritocracy and we have individual liberty. That's what makes America great. And like I said, it's great for everybody. So let's stop discriminating based on race. Okay. Let's just stop. And let's get on with uh, figuring out who's the best at stuff and let's compete. It's good for companies, then it's good for individuals. All right, well, that's it for today's show. I want to thank you for coming in. Uh, look forward to talking to you again tomorrow. See you. Peace. <laughs>